part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com. All hail for Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth's proclamation. Hail. Hail. This podcast episode will be discussing the most recently released episodes on Netflix. Make sure you have watched them before listening, or you might be spoiled. You have been warned, so it is written, so shall it be done. Hail. Welcome to Podcast Lillibit. Matt here with you. We are discussing Season 6. Episode 4, which is Aftermath, written by the showrunner Peter Morgan and directed by Christian Shoku. I will butcher that name several times throughout the course of this podcast, I'm sure. But here's your synopsis. As the world mourns, the Queen's silence prompts ire and warnings from a grieving Charles. How will she rise to the occasion and mother her nation? Queen Elizabeth II. The Queen shall now hear proclamations of ratings for this episode of The Crown on Netflix. I'm going to give it the same ranking that I did the third episode of season six, meaning I'm only going to go seven double W's out of ten for this final episode of the first part. Wait, wait. Very close. Very close. I'm going to go Wonderful William. I think this is a great performance by a young actor, Rufus Campa, who portrays the young Prince William. I think this is just fascinating. To me, he's the most fascinating character in this particular episode, and I think it's a strong episode. There are two things that knock down my score just a little bit. The first is I talked in our last podcast, where we reviewed in depth the first episode of season six, about how Suddenly, Diana had become the main character, and everybody else was like supporting characters. And it felt very, it felt like the show couldn't build up a way to where suddenly the Queen and Prince Charles, at this point, are now the focus in the main characters. It, it didn't, just as I'm sure, you know, it's, it's jarring in real life, it was jarring as a show watcher to suddenly be, okay, now it's about these characters when the first three episodes really hadn't been in a lot of ways. The second thing, that I'm knock it for a bit is what a lot of people online are calling the ghost scenes where the people who are remembering Dodie or remembering Diana are kind of almost remembering their spirit and trying to think about them and what they could would love would have loved to have said to them if they had one more chance to speak to them and so I I believe I understand what the show was trying to do the show was trying to show how much the father, even though he had behaved so kind of coldly towards Dodie, how he really did feel about his son, how Charles, you know, kind of had a lot of animosity, maybe in that first episode or some of these episodes about Diana. And it's like, you know, that was really just, it was more about me, you know, and then similarly, the the queen. So I understand what they wanted to get across with it. But for me, those scenes just were not effective. So some actually really good highs in this final episode, but I'm only going seven out of 10. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I could, I think your reasoning is good. Maybe because I felt completely differently about the ghost is why oh, my good. rating is so much higher than yours. Oh, wow. Because I gave this a 9.5 out of 10, what Whoa. I like to call 
Quintuple A's. Quintuple A's. Amazing acting and accurate acoustics. Oh, well, okay. We're going to have to get to those acoustics in a minute. But 9.5, this might have been your highest, highest rating for an episode of The Crown, Matt, in years. I, Why did you love this episode so much? It may be one of my highest ratings ever, uh, for certain. And I thought that the acting of everybody mm-hmm. was, I mean, yes, uh, the, the young actor who played uh, William was incredible in this mm, episode. Yes. Yes. But I also thought that Dom that Dom was fantastic. I thought that Imaldo was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I even loved Jonathan Price being Stickler Phillip. Um <laughs> you you always love Stickler Phillip. I love it. Yeah, and Celine Daw just the idea of regret of suddenly realizing there there is and you know we're of an age now bubba where we deal with losing people but there are elements and not just something that i can't really sympathize with because i've never had or even empathize with because i've it's i've never experienced it the okay. loss of a child must be one of the most horrific things for right. any parent you know and you never cross that finish line right so it doesn't matter whether you're 60 and they're 30 or or what but just that conversation that he had with you know what was perceived as Dodie's ghost by some people i love these conversations because the regret was so there and yet both with charles and with Mumu and even with Elizabeth it wasn't just the things that they wanted to say to those people that they would never get a chance to say it was the fact that they their subconsciouses created a space where they heard back what they wanted to hear back from those people Diana call, calling Charles handsome. Oh yeah. Ooh. I think that Mumu because of his regret wanted to hear Dodie say yes, it was his fault. I think that the queen wanted Diana to say to her, "Yes, you need to go and do this. You need to see that the way royalty acts is not just set in stone from 300 years ago that queen that your great your grandmother taught you that you still had to keep up. I loved those things. I think that they're all internal struggles that each of these characters are having in regards to developing, you know, how they wanted these people to feel about them that was much more powerful to me than what they wanted to say to them and would never get a chance. Um but that's the way I interpreted it, and I understand it can be interpreted in different ways. So you can take what I say with a grain of salt. The other thing was, and this I do have personal experience with, I, I said uh, accurate acoustics. And I talked about this in the musical podcast. It's only happened to me one time. But when, when my father passed away, and it wasn't really right when it happened then. It was kind of when it started to sink in a few hours later. I got to a point where I wanted to cry so bad, but mm. I couldn't. And I could feel my head vibrating. 
and I could hear the blood pumping in my ears, but it wasn't just, you know, the sound of the of your pulse quickening or anything. It was literally like this white noise experience. And I may be the only other person in the world who's ever experienced that. But because that was there, I mean, I, I think the sound design deserves an Emmy nomination for that alone. It, it, it was incredible to me because I spent that entire episode dealing with a lot of my own stuff. Um, and that was just crazy. It, it was a therapeutic experience for me, to be perfectly honest. So that's another reason why it gets to the high rating. And Matt, thank you for being so open and honest. And listeners, we want to hear from you. Like, is Matt being too open and honest? You know, this is, is this, is this as tough to watch as maybe the episode was? Let us know. And I'm glad, even though, once again, I'm saying it didn't work for me and I had issues with this episode, I'm glad you loved it. I hope everybody loved it. And, you know, the one thing that is true, even after these two episodes, which I talked about being a bit disappointed with, we're going to miss this show. This is the kind of show that Netflix should be doing always, that every uh, company that produces these type of shows should be doing. It's really, it's really been a great journey to watch and enjoy. Her Royal Majesty Queen Elizabeth II approves these proclamations of ratings. So it is written, so shall it be done. Hail. We do definitely want to hear from you. You should send your information, your thoughts, your dressing down of me for being a softy and and wanting to turn you into my therapist. You can direct <laughs> all of that at me at Little Bit Pod on the site formerly known as Twitter. You can do the same to at the word double the letters PHQ if you don't want me to know that you're telling them to fire me. Um, you can, or you can find them that way on Instagram or on Hive or on Facebook, yeah. facebook.com yes. uh, slash the word double the letters PHQ. You can send emails to me uh, if you want to send something really extended and you don't want to use 57 former tweets uh, to to say that to me. You can send it to Matt's audio blog at gmail.com and you can always leave a comment. I don't think there's any limit as to how many words on a comment. Are there, Bubba? For Not YouTube? yet. Not yet. Okay. So YouTube.com. Uh, slash at the word double the letter p the word media leave comments on all of the videos bubba loves liking and responding to thousands and thousands of comments that he gets for some of his other shows like uh, only murders in the building i mean oh, god man. bubba you must spend a week responding to everybody but he does it so yes. that's why you should check out the double p media youtube bubba will get back to you um, and ask you to, you know, further clarify your position or to respond to your position. He's very good about that. I am not so much, but I, I will hang around. <laughs> I'll like your post, regardless of whether you're slamming me or not. So uh, one other thing, just remember that contest, that contest that we have worth $100. All you have to do is there's a link in the show notes. Click on it. Guess what words I was mispronouncing. If you haven't already been able to tell by this podcast, I mispronounce things famously and infamously. And so I, you know, want to know what you think the best guests are. The person with the most accurate guesses out of five will 
be the winner. If there's a tie, we'll draw for the winner. You can win a $100 gift card from Amazon on me. I mean, Double P Media is not paying for it. Somebody's got to pay for it. I'm paying for it. So uh, that's the way it goes. You know, as soon as I get up a video that gets over 10,000, then maybe Double P Media will start paying for my contest prizes, although it's doubtful. So uh, anyway, uh, we want to hear those mispronunciations. We want to hear what you thought our mispronunciations was. I'm going to make Bubba at the end of this season guess himself what they are and see oh, how many boy. he gets right maybe i'll end up giving him the 100 hundred dollar gift card I'll uh, take because it. he doesn't know the answers either no i do not let's get into our 65 second recap the news comes quickly to muhammad al-fayed and balmoral as the tragedy of dodi and diana is relayed to the world charles lets the boys sleep as long as he can before he tells them the news both Mumu and Charles go to identify and collect the bodies of their loved ones. All the while, the Queen maintains that the best thing is to keep things as normal as possible. Charles experiences his subconscious in a conversation with the fictional Diana, while Mumu does the same with Dodie. While we see Dodie's funeral, the question of where to have Diana's funeral is still a hot point of debate between the Queen and Charles. As Tony Blair urges a public memorial, Triggered by both his mother's death and a squabbling amongst the family about royalty's role in the matter, William runs off, forcing the family to search for him. He returns hours later, upsetting the queen and making her start to begin to reconsider her position on the funeral. Finally, her own subconscious visit with Diana helps her make a decision, and the family returns to London, witnessing a great memorial to the lost former princess. Elizabeth writes a speech to help calm the public. Mumu opens a tribute to Dodie and Diana at Herod's and all the royal male members of the family participate in the funeral procession for Diana. Season 6, Episode 4, right. Aftermath. Mm-hmm. Spinning the wheel. Ooh, well, Matt, it landed on the thing labeled ghost. I feel like we've already talked about this. Is there anything you feel like we haven't covered yet as far as, you know, what we're calling ghosts, but they are obviously not ghosts. They're they're kind of memories. They're kind of wishes. Anything you think we need to say on this? Well, we I think like I said quite a bit. I know that you said you didn't like it. What it did you it, not like about it specifically? It felt contrived. It felt... okay. It didn't feel like the scenes naturally built to it. It felt like it was these were kind of odd left turns to where things had been going. I just think there might have been an easier way to get into it and stage it so that it wouldn't have felt just so It odd. felt like the actors had another episode on their contract. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, it just oh. once again it felt uh, once again I think I know what the showrunners wanted to do and I, I don't blame them for wanting that. But again, I think there's a way you could have approached this. You could have staged it to where it, it, it wouldn't have been staged so almost kind of matter-of-factly. Hey, yeah, let's sit and talk, which is what all three things were, right? Like, hey, I'm sitting here. Let's talk. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can understand that. I, I enjoyed the meaning behind it or the symbolism behind it, I think, more so than the actual choice to use it. I guess okay. you could say, but that's just a difference of opinion. And you're probably right. 
So let's spin the wheel again. Mm. Okay. Now, Bubba, uh, corpses is the thing. I, 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 this is uncomfortable. Well, but yeah, let's, let's the, the show did choose mm-hmm. to allow to allow us to see Dodie's corpse. Is would it just be too triggering to show Diana's corpse? Would that was that the choice that was made? Well, I would wonder if because of the way history played out, and they talk about it in this episode, you know, the outpouring of grief for Diana was global. You know, you could go around the globe and see people, you know, feeling this and and, and heartbroken and all these things. I think you needed to show a emotional reaction to the passing of Dodie. And the only natural way to do it is with his father and where what would cause him to enter a state like we see so many other people. And I think, you know, this is how they chose to portray it. And I, I, to me, I I didn't think anything of it other than here, we need to see someone as devastated for his death as we're going to see so many people devastated for Diana's. What did you think? Yeah, that's, I think that's a good choice. I, I honestly do think that a conscious choice was made regarding Diana, that it could be a little bit too triggering to actually mm-hmm. physically show her corpse. Um, with the whole ghost, quote, ghost thing, you didn't really need to show either of them. But so the reasoning for right. showing his as opposed to hers, um, from your standpoint, makes sense. But I also think that it makes sense that it's just like, this is just a step too far. Let's have a little bit more taste here. Um, and do you want to tell the audio listeners what you have on your head right now, Mr. Oh, let's show some taste. Oh, as I speak about the death of Diana. Yeah. I'm wearing right. a gesture's yes. hat. Um, fo- folks at the beginning of the YouTube, you will be able to see me in that. Um, I do have a gesture's hat on. It's been my lifelong dream to say something that goes <laughs> completely viral and be wearing one of these, which is why I never take it off. Even when I go to work at the hospital. It makes people happy when I do it at the hospital. No, I'm kidding. I don't do it at the hospital. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it might have been a little bit too triggering. I'll, I'm happy to trigger you. Don't look at Diana's corpse. All, all it takes is me. Spin the wheel. All righty. Well, let's talk about something that I think you have been talking about actually for a couple seasons of our coverage of The Crown, and that is the Queen's decision, decisions, and this uh part of history which this uh showrunner peter morgan has kind of already covered so you really in the past were very frustrated that the show was going to kind of touch on these points what did you think yeah um you know this is a very different look at the events as opposed to the movie that was done so i'm i'm okay with that some of the same kind of emotions and, and conversations do come up in both. But I was very fascinated with the idea of the decision that was not well received at all from most of the people in the public, if I remember at the time, of them all staying up at Bar Marl until, you know, what, five days they were up there and didn't really say anything. And I did like her stance that she was trying to protect the grandchildren, but I also loved Charles's argument that, you know, at least one of these children 
is going to have to be able to do this thing out in public anyway. Um, and I loved, this was one of the things that I loved about the ghost thing, her conversation with herself, you know, you know, superimposing Diana over it about what do we do? And the thing that she needed to hear that she wanted to hear was, uh, that came through Diana's voice was saying, no, royalty is not what it used to be. Uh, almost a triumph of Charles's argument for the last two seasons, right? I mean, even when he, we had the younger Charles, um, maybe even three seasons, maybe all the way back to when he uh, would, did the whole Wales thing. So I loved the process. Because at the beginning, and you know that I'm a big fan of Philip, but it seemed to me that she was kind of uneasy about everything, and Philip was making the decisions, and she was just basically going along with him. Philip was protecting the crown. He was protecting what he thought was, you know, the right way. This mm -hmm. is a Spencer family matter now. And I you can read articles about how they actually did think that this should be a Spencer family matter. And then they changed their mind and um, had even talked about maybe reinstating her as an HRH after her death. Mm. The Spencers then said, I believe the Spencers said actually, no, we don't want that. Um, so that's why that didn't happen. But I think they were considering doing it, which may have been a, you know, too much of a swing in the other direction although nobody in the public would have cared but it may have been too much of a swing in the other direction as far as the internal workings of the crown you can have that debate scholars can have that debate i don't i'm not qualified to have that but uh i did love the process of of seeing her go through all of this from her all the way back to episode two from her scoffing at Diana for causing such a ruckus um, through to this episode, this focus on her having to come around on something because it's the right thing, you know, because it's the prudent thing, mm -hmm. um, whether it's right in the eyes of old Queen Mary or not. Um, I, I loved seeing that process subtle as it was. There wasn't, you know, a lot more of this focus was on Mumu and, and on other characters than her. But this is probably the most focused episode on her of all of them, of this set of four. And I, I love seeing that. Amalda Stoughton did a fantastic job. What did you think of the line? And this may actually get us to one of the uh, later topics on the wheel here. But one of the things that really struck me and uh, certainly struck uh, other people because I've seen people talking about it online when Charles kind of calls out his mother and says, do you want Diana's body brought back in a Herod's van? I mean, whoa, is that, yeah. do you know, is that true to history or is that just a really great uh, and horrific line to say at this point in time? To be honest, I haven't researched that, Bubba. So I don't know if it was something that was actually said. It was a private secretary who uh, relayed Charles thoughts to her and Philip mm -hmm. uh, in the episode, but uh, you're right. 
that's like that's an ice cold yes. retort right there. Yes. Um, you know, uh I've I've come to really kind of respect Charles in, over these four episodes. Maybe that does lead to another topic. Well, and there it is. The princess. Yep. Um, so William's story, of course, uh, takes up a big portion of this episode. I, we've already talked about Philip. He he's just trying to protect her, but probably in the worst way possible. Trying to protect his queen, but probably in the worst way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but what have you thought of Charles over these four episodes? Because he seems a lot more likable than he did in season five or in season four. Well, you, I think you may be forgetting the first episode. So what it really is, and these are very kind of thinly drawn because like I say, he's almost a supporting character in these four episodes. But what it really is, is for the first time, we see Charles's total focus on his sons for a bit and something other than his love, Camilla. So to me, I think that having him more rounded and not like he was in the first episode focused on get Camilla the news I want, get the coverage I want for Camilla. It's Camilla, Camilla, Camilla. Come to my party for Camilla. You're naturally going to like him more as an audience member because this is a father focused on his sons in a good part and on the treatment of his ex-wife's memorial. And uh, anyway, so I think that's your natural to like him more in these instances. Yeah, you you do feel more empathetic towards him, especially when you see how he actually deals with the death um, and, and having to go to get the body, which he actually did with two of Diana's sisters. I believe they all went um, in real life, Mm -hmm. but um, man, I really, from episode two, uh, from the way that he treated Diana respectfully, regardless of what was going on with him, Camila and his agenda and what have you. Right. Um, his unwillingness to do the photographs when that idiot Boland um, told him to lie to his sons. Sure, sure. Gradually over these episodes, I have really built up a different kind of respect for Charles. Now, you still have, in real life, you still have the guy who basically scolded the page for bringing them the wrong pin when he was signing his documents. No, oh, come on. Give and, him a chance. Come on. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm not anti-Charles. I'm just saying that that was a funny moment. I was just like giggling when I saw that. I was like, nah, that's the Charles from the television show. That's not the real Charles. (laughs) But I really, maybe you're right. Maybe episode one, he was a little more cutthroat like he had been in some of the prior seasons. He was very strident. I mean, that's not a likable trait in any character on any show is when someone's kind of malistic and strident and not flexible. So, Yeah, I agree. Um, But these last few episodes i i really have uh grown to like him more will i continue to like him i don't know but oh, right now on. i like him all right i'll all tell you right. someone who i do really like I, and we don't probably don't the the actor the young actor who played harry in the church that killed me. um hmm. i just i practically lost it for him um that that was crazy um the, we've talked so much about the kid that plays William, but man, what a great episode for him. Um, what a great 
four episodes for him. He's been fantastic yes. the entire yes. the entire part one, and um, he deserves his kudos. Um, we'll talk about whether he really disappeared or not in the history notes, but uh, just that portrayal is um, something that was very moving as well. And I, you know, I can't even imagine being a kid who's trying to find out trying you know he's at an age where he's trying to figure out who the hell he is how, how old is he do you know of him at, at that time he was 15 mm. oh terrible tragic yeah, it's the absolute worst age to have you know to lose part of your identity mm-hmm. you know um and this kid really did a good job bringing that around uh what else do you what do you have on any of these kids because i or any of these no uh, I, i've got nothing else i got nothing else I, I think once again really it's just the the main thing that sticks with you outside of the the tragedy of it is the performances which are all great big letters i can read this one moo moo oh boy you know i, I want to spend half of this segment absolutely trashing him as a father hmm and then I also want to spend half of this segment really feeling for the guy because yes, to figure it out too late, to figure it out too late is one of the worst things that can happen to a human being. And mm. uh, so many things left unsaid for him. And he heard what he needed to hear from his subconscious when he talked to, you know, the Doty ghost. But those funeral scenes... Um, those service scenes, especially at the grave, just really got me. I felt for him. And then you go back and you look at the prior episodes, and you nobody deserves this. You don't want to say no. that. But my gosh, um, or I do. And you can send your hate mail to at LilibitPod. On Please. a site for me, yes, on you know, this once again. So, Liz, we're talking about a fictional portrayal in a television show. And so, because of just the nature of this show and what the show's focus is, we don't spend time with Dodie. We don't know all the people mourning for him. And so, this character of the father has to do all of the lifting on that part of it. You know, there aren't, we don't see Dodie's children in any way reacting to this, right? And right. so, but, I think it's 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 easy and in, in the show even hints that this character realizes kind of his failings, but he yeah. also is reaching out. Like I didn't see Mumu's uh, uh, kind of reaching out for some sort of connection with the royal family in like a negative. Oh, this guy is still kind of obsessed with it. I saw it as he 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 need he needs almost support to mourn and he's reaching out to to help someone help him with his mourning and so i i didn't mind it in this case yeah there, there was line one line that just really bothered me um when oh, he was what, talking what, what to his line? secretary and and he basically said you know they will be they i will be their brother in sorrow mm. you know like he was placing once again placing importance of himself Mm. And his relationship to that family um, above his grief. And that disturbed me a little bit about him. But right. to see to see his brothers and him arm in arm behind that casket marching um, same way, you know, as two brothers with him 
when the body is being removed from the casket and everything, of course you feel bad for the guy. He lost his son. Um, it's just, you know, Mumu in real life, Muhammad Al-Fayed did basically get the whole, what was it, 10 years later, the whole investigation up, the, the pageant report. Um, he instigated that. He testified things in that trial that have been proven by science to be false mm. um, in terms of Diana being pregnant and that kind of thing. So, and I'm not knocking the real person. Um, he believed what he believed. Who knows? Maybe maybe Dodie, in an effort to appease his father, even told that she was pregnant in real life. I'd have to read more in order to understand the depth of where Mumu got that idea in real life. But it was an amazing performance. Again, I will say Salim Daw is an incredible actor. And doubt we're going to see anything more of him because the series is going to, spoilers, is only going to go up to about 2005 or the beginning of 2006. And I don't think the pageant thing started until about 2006, 2007. So I doubt we're going to hear too much more from Mumu. Uh, it would seem just ridiculously to the side and not much point. Yeah, it to feels like it. they've got so much ground to cover. And this is coming from myself, who doesn't really know much of the history of anything. I would think they'd have to, enough ground to cover where, you know, this focusing, giving show real estate to Moo just seems unlikely. Yeah, to me too. What's worse? So what is worse, Matt? Being left out in the rain for 14 hours, or being out in the rain for 14 hours, or listening to Paranoid Android. Ugh, terrible, terrible. I know which one you'll choose. Out in the rain for 14 hours or listening to Paranoid Android. Well, just to make this fun. Fun? There is nothing worse oh, no. than being stuck out in the rain. Today, oh, okay, where I live, yeah, 42 degrees, Ugh. pouring. Ugh. There is nothing worse than a cold, wet rain. It's worse than being yeah. stuck in the snow. It's yeah. worse than it being below zero. Right. It is the absolute worst. I mean, oh, I understand William wanted to get away from it all. Don't ever try to get away from it all in Scotland because you're just going to get rained on. No matter whether you try to stay out there and outlast it 14 hours, it never stops. William, being out in the rain for 14 hours was definitely worse on you than listening to Pan Paranoid Android. Bubba, what say you? Um, you know what? I can wear a raincoat. That song stinks. The end. History notes for all of oh. these episodes. Let's go. Here are your history notes for all of the rest of part one of season six. This is episodes two through four. 
Each of these stories might have several citations, so bear with me here. Mario Brenna, the photographer who took the pictures of Diana and Dodie, said that the idea of him being hired by Mohammed Al-Fayed is, quote, absurd and completely invented. Brenna says that stumbling upon the couple was a, quote, great stroke of luck for him as he spent nearly every summer in the area trying to get paparazzi photos of prominent people. Brenna actually sold a photo of the couple embracing in swimwear to Paris Match magazine, and it appeared on the front page of the UK tabloid, The Sunday Mirror, on August 10th. Brenna did say that he sold his photos worldwide and made about 1.7 million pounds over the course of eight months. Two sources for this, the first, the New York Times, and second, the National Post. And you'll find links for these stories in the show notes. On the other hand, Duncan Muir doesn't actually exist. He's a character completely made up for the show because the Balmoral photo shoot of Charles, William, and Harry was in reality taken by Tim Graham, an established royal photographer. Source, Town and Country Magazine. Moving on to episode three, and this one's all over the place, there are conflicting stories about the ring that Dodie got for Diana. The ring was reportedly found amongst the car crash in the early hours of August 31st, 1997. During the inquest into the couple's death in 2007, Alberto Raposi told the jury that the two had in fact visited his Monte Carlo store and picked out the ring. However, a former executive of the Ritz Hotel in Paris said that the jeweler invented stories about the ring that Dodie selected and that he actually selected just hours before he and Princess Diana were fatally injured in a car crash. Claude Roulet, who was assistant to the president of the hotel at the time of the crash in August of 97, maintains that he assisted Fayed in choosing a ring from Alberto Rapossi's shop, which was located near the hotel. He disputed claims by Rapossi that Diana and Fayed had chosen the ring jointly, as well as the intention that it was an engagement ring. Bringing Mumu into the story, Muhammad Al-Fayed claimed that his son and the princess were merely a day away from announcing their engagement, and that she was pregnant with his child. He alleged that the couple were targets of a conspiracy directed by Prince Philip and by Prince Charles. According to Vanity Fair, Diana allegedly commented to a friend that if she did get a ring from Fayed, it would go firmly on the ring finger of the right hand, implying that she would not accept it as an engagement ring. And the pregnancy claim was disputed by John Burton, a coroner who examined Diana's body at the mortuary, and by pathologist Robert Chapman, who did Diana's post-mortem examination. The claim was further refuted by forensic scientist Angela Gallup in her 2019 book, When Dogs Don't Bark, a forensic scientist's search for the truth. In that book, she wrote that Diana's blood samples from the car tested negative for any of the pregnancy hormone HCG. Multiple sources on this, Town & Country Magazine, The Washington Post, NBC News, Vanity Fair, and Time Magazine. We saw the events play out in episode three in a particular fashion. USA Today, back in 2017, 
actually constructed a timeline of Diana's final day. On August 30th, 1997, at around 4.30 p.m., Diana and Fayette arrive at the Ritz in Paris. Between 5.40 and 6.30 p.m., reportedly, Fayette ventures to Raposi Jewelers and two rings are later delivered to the Imperial Suite. At around 7 p.m., Diana and Fayette exit the Ritz through the rear entrance and are driven to his residence. At around 9.50 p.m., utilizing the hotel's front entrance, the couple enters and heads for L'Espadon restaurant after foregoing reservations at Benoit Paris because of rampant paparazzi. According to Christopher Anderson's book, The Day Diana Died, at 12.20 a.m., Trevor Reese Jones, Fayed, and Diana reportedly attempt to evade photographers by leaving the hotel through its rear entrance to return to his apartment. According to Anderson's account, the driver did have at least two drinks, a scotch and a beer, that evening. Henri Paul's blood content level was determined to be more than three times France's legal limit. In September of 1997, analysis of Paul's blood, hair, and spinal cord later detected the antidepressant Prozac as well as Tiaprodol, sometimes used to combat alcohol withdrawal. At approximately 12.23 a.m., the speeding car collided with a concrete pillar in the tunnel. Trevor Reese Jones, who had buckled his seatbelt just seconds before, was the only survivor of the crash. Fayed and Paul died on the scene. Diana was treated on the site by Dr. Frederick Mele. Workers had to use an electric chainsaw to extract Diana from the car. At 1.20 a.m., after attempting to stabilize Diana on the site, the ambulance transported her to the hospital. But along the way, she suffered cardiac arrest and the ambulance stopped while CPR is administered. At 1.45 a.m., Britain's ambassador to France, Michael Jay, is notified of the accident. He alerts the Queen's private secretary, who is with the royal family at Balmoral. At approximately 2.01 a.m., Diana arrives at the hospital, undergoing surgery merely minutes later, according to Anderson. At approximately 4 a.m., the princess dies. And as we are getting into the events of episode 4, at 6 p.m., accompanied by Prince Charles and her sisters, Diana's body leaves the hospital bound for England. It touches down at the Royal Air Force North Holt, where a ceremonial guard carries her coffin, draped in the royal standard, to a waiting hearse. The final question of episode 4 is, did William go missing at Balmoral? Most would say no, The Woman and Home magazine cites The Standard, saying that in 2021, the prince spoke of finding solace in the Scottish outdoors following his mother's sudden death. The Standard continues by saying that during an emotional speech at the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland, the prince said, quote, I was in Balmoral when I was told my mother had died. Still in shock, I found sanctuary in the service at Craithy Kirk that very morning, and in the dark days of grief that followed, I found comfort and solace in the Scottish outdoors. As a result, the connection I feel to Scotland will forever run deep." Quote. Another source, the Daily Express, 
received insight from a royal historian and author, Marlene Koenig, who said that, no, William did not go missing. She looked that up. Continuing with, quote, they were at Balmoral and it's kind of hard to run out when you have security and everything there. Your sources, Daily Express, Woman and Home, and The Standard. Once again, links for all of these will be placed in the show notes. Bubba, we've got some feedback here. Wonderful. Yes, I uh, we got some feedback actually regarding our conversation about episode one from Vacoma Weddings. Oh, wow. Said, your views are so interesting. Hmm. They really dive into every character. Everyone huh. is so jealous of Diana. Do you think oh. the queen was also jealous? I don't think so. Bubba, was the queen jealous of Diana? Well, we, we talked about it. It is, if you remember, and you had a moment in your life where the whole world did kind of wait on your word, you know, kind of wait with bated breath for your thoughts and your opinions and your visits. And now somebody else is getting it. I think I, I'm not sure jealousy is the right expression, but I could see it. So I, I'm going to stick with that thought. Let's say, yes, the queen could have felt some feelings that are, are jealousy or close to jealousy. I think the queen had, did feel a little bit of jealousy towards um, Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. Oh, yeah. But I did not get a sense of jealousy hmm. so much uh, from the queen uh, regarding Diana as much as I did just resentment because hmm. Diana represented things that the church, you know, as the head of the church she she could not represent diana represented divorce within the royal family even though margaret had already done it margaret's just an hrh off to the side (laughs) but this this is the heir that has been divorced by diana uh and i think see even back in episode one when we were discussing this uh she basically says you know the tearing apart of two families which she was actually being sympathetic to Camilla Parker Bowles there, or to her husband, I suppose, more so than her. Um, you know, the whole idea of that divorce, I think, made her resentful towards Diana. And I think you see some of that seeding through in the end of episode two this well, time uh, around. Sure. Um, and uh, so I'm not so sure that I would call it jealousy, Vacoma Weddings, but I would definitely call it resentment. Hmm. Now, we did get some other feedback, and this Wonderful. is from uh, our cohort, our our colleague, who yeah. comments with us on the Wheel of Time podcast, Priscilla TV One. She does her own podcast in Portuguese. That you should check out on her YouTube channel, Priscilla TV One. Fancy that. Um, she said this. Let's hear it. As Mariah would say, it's time. You do not seem too enthused about some choices, if I may say. Hmm. Pass. Whoa. I guess Priscilla doesn't like the crown. Is that what she's saying, pass well, to? Or she, is she saying no. pass to my musical comments? No, I think she's saying that. 
because you seem so unenthused about some of the music choices in that music podcast, she's going to pass on watching this season, Matt. Matt, were you that were you that tough on these choices? No, I was tough. Priscilla, on you the in, I was tough on the continuity of the themes. I mm. was tough on that. I also said, Priscilla, if you happen to be around watching this, and I don't know why you would if you've already passed, but if you are, I also said that it is some of the most beautiful music that's ever been done for this mm. show. Well, um, that's what we like. That's what we want. Right. So don't pass. Check it out. Heck yeah. All right. And some polls from the site formerly known as Twitter. We already covered a couple from our What's Worse, but I also put a couple of other polls out there. As you know, the last time around, we asked what people thought of episode one of season six, but now we're asking about part one overall of season six, uh, how they would rate it between fantastic, good, fair, or not so good. Bubba, this has never happened before. Except when well, it happened you keep earlier. That. Okay, yeah, please. Um, so we have a uh, a tie here. Uh, fantastic and good both got thirty one point six percent apiece. It's wonderful. Bad. Let's see. Uh, but ten point five percent said it was fair. Yep. Um, twenty six point three percent did not like it. They said mm. it was not so good. No, no. I mean, still, you've got over 63% saying it's fantastic or good, but the fact that over a quarter of our voters felt it was not so good, I wonder if they had some of the same thing, same problems with it that you did with some of these episodes, Bob. I understand it. I'm still gung-ho about part two coming up in December of 2023. Final poll which was about the music of season oh, six, part one, wow. where I asked, what did you think of the song selections? Hmm. Not the score, but all of those little things that the music supervisor does, like Paranoid Android during part one. Uh, you know, things like Chumbawamba, George Michael, oh. Julio yeah. Iglesias. Yes. Yes. Actually, 58.3%. Mm-hmm. This one's a little more split up. It's not quite as a big a majority as we'd had in other polls. They liked it. They thought it was good. Right. 25% thought it was fair. Mm. And then 8.3% said yeah. not good. Ouch. And uh, 8.3% also said there was music. <laughs> those, those are the best. The good work, good work. So it's almost like one out of 12 of you thought it was not good. Ouch. And there was not music. And it's almost like seven out of 12 of you thought it was good. And it was almost like three out of 12 of you thought well, you that keep, it was fair. You keep adding this almost like that. It's a really kind of pointless. Excellent. Thank you guys so much for voting. And that's all that we have time for. We will say see you until part two comes back. Uh, although if we have to split this podcast up into two parts, it may be next week. I don't know. <laughs> I'm still working that out in my brain, how I'm going to do this. But we want but. to make sure that you give us your thoughts, not just about part one. We definitely want to hear about part one because, you know, we don't like spending a whole lot of time trying to bring re- memory recall when we start talking about part two. Um, but we also want definitely for you to just jump right in. Don't worry about spoiling us. We're going to have seen it already. 
well, some of us will have seen it already and Bubba will ignore the rest of it. Yeah. Um, so at Lilibit Pod on a site formerly known as Twitter, you can also find on all social medias the double P media stuff at the word double. The letters PHQ, P for podcast, HQ for headquarters. You can also find that on Facebook.com slash at the word double the letters PHQ. You can send emails to me, Matt's audio blog at gmail.com. You can definitely go to those YouTube videos and like subscribe hit the notification so that you know everything that's coming down the double p media pike everything bubba does on an audio feed you also find on a video feed and quite frankly it's much more fun on a video feed because he does cool little things uh with the videos and you want to like and subscribe on those as well youtube.com slash at the word double the letter p the word media final thoughts about part one bubba see what i did there i started up real slow and then i did real quick kind of like mark poland yeah you're right up there with him that's what i always say so uh, a tragic PR. a tragic moment in history that we all kind of knew we would have to go through and we wanted to see how the show would do it there were some highs there were some things that i just personally didn't quite as enjoy as much but these final episodes, it's going to be, it's going to be monumental. Can't wait to get to him. I'm excited. Excellent. Well, once again, he is Bubba. Yep. Saint-Tropez. I am Matt, Scotland. He is Bubba. Scandal. I am Matt, Dignity. Oh, no. He is Bubba. Irresponsibility. For sure. I am Matt, Duty. Hmm. Selfishness? Guess who that is? Principle? Guess who that is? A tabloid princess? Bubba. A broadsheet prince? Me. See ya. to Matt's audio blog at gmail.com and find all back episodes and other information at mattsaudioblog.com. <laughs>